Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Monday, December 18th. I'm Hannah Floor. Landless legislation passed a new milestone last Thursday after winning approval of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. The bill still has a long way to go to become law, but if it does, it would return land to the original occupants of five Alaska Native communities in southeast Alaska. Those communities were left out of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act of 1971. Senator Lisa Murkowski, who sponsored the bill, said in a statement that the omission was, quote, hampering their ability to support development and opportunity while protecting their traditional ways of life. Alaskans have been trying to right this wrong for 51 years, unquote. ANGSO put millions of acres of land in the control of more than 200 newly formed local and regional Alaska Native corporations. Cecilia Tavalero is the landless delegate for Petersburg and chair of the Southeast Alaska Landless Corporation Board. She was in the room when the bill passed through committee. Oh, everybody was elated. We were so happy. But we understand there's a lot more work to do. There has never been a clear explanation as to why Petersburg, Ketchikan, Wrangell, Haines, and Tenneke Springs were not included in ANCSA. Senator Dan Sullivan co-sponsored the bill. Representative Mary Paltola has introduced similar legislation in the House. Alaska's congressional delegation has been bringing similar bills to the legislature for roughly two decades. Opponents have voiced concerns that the new corporations would log their land, clear-cutting spots of what had been the Tongass National Forest. But supporters say the timber industry has changed in recent years. Nicole Hollingstead sits on the Sea Alaska board and is a Petersburg representative of the landless. She says native corporations have moved toward more sustainable business ventures. The industry in the Tongass is no longer focused on huge harvests of timber. And we've had such long, engaging conversations with the conservation community that many of the largest conservation societies in the nation are moving either to neutral or to support our legislation. The Wilderness Society recently reversed years of opposition to voice their support for the legislation. Some are also concerned about public access, but Hollingstead says that public input has helped the landless delegation refine the bill. We've got such strong language ensuring public access in perpetuity for recreation activities, your favorite hunting spot, where you like to pick berries. That will still be available. Public access was not guaranteed by ANCSA. If the House bill passes committee, the two versions would be combined in a process called markup and then would proceed to the House floor for a vote. Petersburg's Borough Assembly will meet tonight at 6 p.m. in the Assembly Chambers to review several new items of business, including a resolution to sell a decommissioned fire truck for $1. The Petersburg Volunteer Fire Department took engine number 5 out of service earlier this month. They combined that with the almost 33-year-old truck has a They determined that the almost 33-year-old truck has a low resale value and wouldn't be of much use to most fire departments. But they said it could be of use to a community that doesn't have any firefighting equipment at all, like the city of Hyder on Prince of Wales Island. Hyder recently re-established its fire department and is in need of a truck. So the Petersburg Borough is considering essentially giving them engine number five. Hyder has agreed to pay all shipping and transportation costs, in addition to the $1 for the truck itself, if Petersburg's Assembly approves the sale. In other business, Assemblymember Scott Newman has requested that the Assembly send a letter of support for House Bill 201 to the state legislature. 
The proposed changes in the bill would limit resident hunting, trapping, and sport fishing licenses to only year-round residents of Alaska. State Representative Rebecca Himshoot and Sarah Hanan are sponsoring the bill. The Alaska Mental Health Trust Land Office asked the Assembly to meet with their representatives to talk about working together in the best interest of Petersburg. At tonight's meeting, the Assembly is slated to choose a date for that meeting in early 2024. And again, the Assembly will hold its regular meeting at 6 p.m. tonight in the Assembly Chambers. KFSK will broadcast the meeting live and post the recording on our website, kfsk.org. Anyone from the community can join the meeting in person, by phone, or on Zoom. You can find more information on KFSK's community calendar at kfsk.org. And Borough Business is a live call-in show with Borough officials. They'll talk about today's agenda, and the program starts at 12.30 p.m. here on KFSK. If you'd like to ask guests a question, you can call 907-772-3808. And there is more information on KFSK's community calendar. Governor Mike Dunleavy has allocated $5 million to the city and borough of Wrangell to help stabilize the two earthen dams that contain the town's drinking water. Wrangell Public Works Director Tom Waiter says that when the governor came to Wrangell to talk about the landslide, they also talked about other health and safety issues. The dams were the first major issue to conquer. We're the number two high hazard dam in the state. I believe we are number one now because I think the worst one got fixed last year. The reservoirs were constructed in 1905 and contain Wrangell's only source of drinking water. An Army Corps of Engineers study from 2006 reported that 15 homes and close to 40 residents were in the reservoir's potential runout zone. This means that the possible loss of life is high if the dam breaks. Waiter says that the stability analysis the borough commissioned last fall resulted in better news than officials were expecting, meaning there is an easier path to stabilization. He says that $5 million may not cover all the pressing projects needed in and around the community's reservoirs. We need to get a dam bypass. We need to stabilize our dams. We need to fix the through piping. Uh, those, are, those are kind of like our you know top three needs up there. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski appropriated a little over $2 million for that dam bypass project last year. The project will connect the upper reservoir directly to Wrangell's water plant. The housing market remains tight in southeast Alaska, everywhere in fact, but that doesn't mean it's impossible for buyers to find homes. Patience and preparation are two of the most important considerations as buyers enter the market, say a realtor, and a banker who work every day to connect people with new homes. The pair took questions in the final installment of the Sitka Chamber of Commerce's fall speaker series on housing. Robert Woolsey reports. High interest rates recently have forced home buyers to set their sights lower when looking for property to buy, but high demand has kept prices up, especially in Sitka. Skyline Batani, a mortgage lender at First Bank, says borrowers should not despair there is a way to get there. I think they should first come see me and see what they can afford. And if it's not yet, we'll set them up for a roadmap to success. So if it's not today, maybe six months, maybe a year, but we can set them up to what they are and what their options are. So there's hope. Batani was joined by realtor Keith Brady, who offered a reality check on Sitka's market, which is not all that different from the markets in Juneau or Ketchikan. Buyers are not likely to catch a break, even if all the numbers suggest that prices should be coming down. 
And unfortunately, in Sitka, just because of uh, the lack of real estate, it seems to always be more or less a seller's market here, uh, regardless. Brady agreed that the first stop for any buyer should be the lender because there are a number of mortgage programs that could affect both someone's eligibility for a loan and the amount they're pre-approved to borrow. A pre-approval letter from the bank can make the difference when the right property comes on the market. Some people, they're ready to go and they're ready to buy, and um, it doesn't take that long. They know what they want. And so if there's a home on the market that fits all their criteria and they like it, it doesn't take that long. It's hard to say, but it depends. I mean, it could be like a week to a couple of months. Batani and Brady described a dynamic market. Interest rates were changing daily, sometimes on the quarter hour and prices were leveling out. Some properties were sitting longer on the market, now considered overpriced by many local buyers. Batani put to rest the idea that Sitka was being bought up by out-of-town owners looking for second or third homes. Some of that is happening, as is workforce housing purchased by businesses, but it's not a leading trend. I'm seeing all over the market, I mean, a lot of first-home buyers, but I see a lot of long-time residents and a lot of new for the hospital. And they range from um, income-limited programs to higher income. I see it all over the board. Brady, Sitka's former municipal administrator, said there were inherent challenges to opening more land for development, especially in extending Sitka's utilities. He thought a trailer park for families who owned their trailers could work and be a first step toward owning conventional real estate. But Tani saw opportunity in higher-density housing. Personally, that was my first home, was a townhome. Um, it cut the cost in monthly. Buying something in the Ketchikan market was super high, and um, my budget was small being a first-home buyer, but it worked out ideally. I mean, zero lot lines, having that space to call your home to build equity. I don't know if someone would be willing to do that, but again, it comes down to land. And... The land is just not there, Brady added, even for private developers hoping to capitalize on the tight market. I have one person um, who's looking for two to four acres, and that's a lot of land here in Sitka, but they want to build 20 to 40 unit apartments here, and I've been, I can't find it. The solution for this buyer is the same as that for the borrower who's qualified for $350,000 in a market where home sales are averaging considerably higher. They might just have to wait, said Brady. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Last month, a federal commission aimed at addressing the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous people finalized its report to Congress. That's after the Not Invisible Act Commission heard from people across the country for over 18 months who shared their experiences, expertise, and recommendations. And there's a chapter in the report dedicated specifically to issues facing Alaska's indigenous people. Michelle Demert, a Tlingit citizen of the Klawak tribe, was one of the commissioners of the report. She says violence against Alaska Native women has been prevalent for over a century, beginning in the days of Russian colonization. We protected our women and children best we could, but as there was more contact with the outside and um, and less um, power recognized of our native villages, um, the more problems that we had. Demert, a longtime tribal judge and attorney, says when Alaska became a state, it was classified under Public Law 280, which gave the state government jurisdiction over federal tribal lands. 
She says most lower 48 tribes fall under federal jurisdiction and receive federal support. It sort of was a way for the federal government to absolve themselves of, of the crimes or any of the jurisdictional issues that might be confronted. The Alaska chapter of the commission's report contains several recommendations, including allowing tribes and tribal courts the flexibility to self-govern, more coroner and missing and murdered indigenous women response teams in rural hub communities like Kotzebue and Nome, and a request from the Department of Justice to look into the state of Alaska's records on investigating suspicious deaths. Crowds joined Governor Mike Dunleavy at the governor's mansion in Juneau to celebrate the holiday season last Tuesday. Alaska Public Media's Eric Stone stopped by to see the sights. Governor Mike Dunleavy welcomed crowds into his official residence doing what politicians do, shaking hands, saying hi, and of course holding babies. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We're going into the holiday seasons, and uh, here at the open house we're going to have hopefully several thousand people coming through. And as always, there are plenty of cookies to share, 21,350 of them in all. Have you found a favorite so far? Anything chocolate's my favorite. Kenny Gallahorn is visiting from Palmer. Very, very beautiful, Christmassy. I like it. Cookies are delicious. And he's not the only one enthralled by the array of baked goods. Russian tea cookies are to die for. I love them. It's really great. Yeah, everything was good. Too much sweets for me, though. It was really good. Though. It's Jay Rebound's first time at the annual open house. This is it's great. I, have pa- I walk past this mansion every day during workout, you know, at break time, so... It's awesome I get to finally get to do this. It's, it's really awesome. But Rebound isn't just here for the cookies, nor the 79 pounds of toffee and brittle, 57 pounds of chocolate, nor the 50 pounds of fudge. He's here for the show. My son's performing the violin or playing the violin in the performance, so I'm here. That's here to support. And a show it is. A gaggle of young musicians from the local youth music program at Juneau, Alaska Music Matters is here to jam. Alaska's First Lady, Rose Dunleavy, is a fan. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's, it's just, like, nice to see everyone from Juneau again, and it's, it's just wonderful. Beautiful house, beautiful music, beautiful people. It's just wonderful. Her husband took a moment to look ahead to 2024. He pointed to a few goals, among them improving education and lowering the cost of living. We're looking forward to a great year. There's a lot of turmoil in the world, but here in Alaska, I think we're incredibly lucky. So... Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. He says he's looking forward to working with the legislature in the upcoming session. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Eric Stone. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.